Welcome back to the 51st episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Elliot Pattison, author of The Bone Rattler, Ashes of the Earth, The Skull Mantra, and many other mysteries. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Elliot Pattison. Pattison's first novel, The Skull Mantra, won the Edgar Allan Poe Award in 2000 for Best First Novel. And he's the, and, and, and that book was the first book in the Inspector Shan series set in modern-day Tibet. Pattison's Bone Rattler series features a Scottish immigrant in colonial North America. But Pattison's new novel, Ashes of the Earth, has just been published. Ashes of the Earth is a post-apocalyptic novel featuring survivor Hadrian Boone. Pattison, welcome to the, uh, Elliot, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Glad to join you. Sure, sure. Well, I just mentioned your new novel, Ashes of the Earth. If someone hasn't heard about Ashes of the Earth yet, can you tell us a little bit about your new novel? Well, it's a it's a it's a mystery um, it, that is set about uh, a generation after a total apocalypse, which is you know just sort of has wiped out everything. And and I have always, you know, a lot of my readers, my other series, say, "Oh my God, you know, how would you how did you make this big leap?" Uh, and for me, it wasn't that big a leap. I've always all of my books. Uh, I've had I've had six Sean novels and two of the Bone Rattler series. So far, um, they're always about characters and, and groups of characters that have been cast out of society, whether they're Tibetans cast out or sort of cast out of their own country or, or orphaned by by uh, their own government, the Chinese government, uh, or Scottish exile. Uh, my, my Scottish exile protagonist, um, who who is uh, befriended by woodland Indians who are sort of beginning to recognize they're going extinct. Um, and and I always wondered what it would be like to, to deal with a group of characters that were, you know, they had lost not just their culture and their government, but uh, their, you know, their their very history and their economic context, their social context, their own, you know, really their their very identity. And and Ashes is is really is, is that book. Great. Um, what, I'm curious. Have you ever given much thought as to why there's such an enduring appeal to reading about post-apop? Apocalyptic scenarios and settings. I, I well, I think about it. I don't. I and I can't. You know, I, I think you know, people have various theories, probably about why that is. But I have, I have really, I find that I really struck a nerve. You know, there's there there are certain people that just will not read a book about apocalypse because it gets so dark and 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 they don't want to go there. But an awful lot of people, I find, when they they realize what I've done really want to talk about it and, and sort of have their own theories about the apocalypse and, and, and have a very well-focused view of what, you know, the, the, the next world might look like, and it, it, which tells me that people may not want to talk about it much, but they are thinking about it a lot. Sure. Well, from your research for Ashes of the Earth, in your opinion, what, what do you think is the most likely cause of, of a global disaster or apocalypse? Well, I... You know, the one thing I don't, I, I don't want to sort of proselytize uh, politically in my books, and I leave it to the readers to sort of make their own conclusions about what happened. But, I, but you know, very broadly, um, if you sort of look at, at, you know, things objectively today, the Doomsday Clock, which is, you know, maintained by a group of scientists at the University of Chicago, is like, a, I think, 
because it's six minutes over there is you know and then, of course that's that's based on the spread of 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 atomic uh, bomb weaponry um but there's you know it what what's happened in the past few decades as we all know is can, that, can, uh, uh, can you actually can you actually can you actually explain that clock you you broke up there for a moment if you could explain that clock again yeah, the doomsday clock was, you know, it started, I think, maybe in the 1950s uh, by a group of, of nuclear uh, scientists who who were trying to, to uh, sensitize people to the dangers of, this, of nuclear proliferation and and uh, developed this, you know, just sort of this conceptual thing called the doomsday clock, which they periodically adjust based on, on um, you know, whether or not nuclear technology is, is spreading or being more tightly controlled, and they've, they have... I think I think uh, there have been periods when it was sort of like three minutes to midnight, midnight being, you know, the 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 the, uh, the detonation of the bombs, as it were, uh, and and some maybe it's gone to as far as far um, ahead as maybe a quarter of twelve, but right now I think they have it at six minutes of twelve. Um, and so, it's, you know, it's an index that that is a little bit in the common vernacular um, as a as a marker of how of how how um, I don't want to say how likely this is, but uh, I would call it the possibility of these kind of disasters. Right. And I'm sure you probably researched for the novel the the idea of peak oil and things like that. Yeah. And I've I've done, you know, there's there's references made to, to, uh, in the book, to... um, Microbiology uh, weapons, as well as nuclear weapons, and 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 with all the technology that's spreading, um, you know, into the hands of, hands of people that are, you know are not particularly accountable and have a very um, vengeful agenda. You know, the the uh, you can take your own view as to how likely things are. But I, you know, as I say in the author's note, I always have an author's note at the end of my books. The moment that that the weapons began to spread, um, you know, apocalyptic apocalyptic scenarios became a possibility. Right, right. Um, well, now that Ashes of the Earth is, has been published, do you plan on writing more novels featuring Hadrian Boone? I think I, I think it's likely I've had a good reception for this this book. I've I've got uh, commitments for two other novels uh, in, in in one each and the other uh, series, but I may well go back to this after those. Gotcha. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, your Inspector Shan novels are set in modern day Tibet. What has been the reaction in China to to that series? Do you hear from Chinese readers? Well, it's very interesting. I I um, I, I I hear with people. I hear from people who come out of China um, and and uh, Westerners visiting who sometimes take my you know they'll, they'll send me notes saying I I uh, was traveling to China or you know Tibet uh, and took your book and then I left it with somebody there to read. Uh, and, and my books are seen sort of in in, um, in the black market or in flea markets that are out of the out of the out of the way. Um, they're they're not published in China because they're so heavily critical of the Chinese government. Um, and and my website, I'm you know, I'm told my website is is uh, usually not available in China. Um, you know, the censorship in China of websites that that have any kind of political content that's against China is is heavily censored and. And you know, if you search, if you do a Google search in China of the Dalai Lama, you'll get you know zero hits because of, for example, because of, of that censorship. And a website that that talks about Tibetan independence, like mine does, you know, likewise will get blocked out by the Chinese. And have you done? So a lot, a reaction. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. have have you have you done a lot of um, travel in China for for research for those novels? I did a lot. I did many many trips in the eighties and nineteen eighties nineteen nineties, and then um, you know sort of at, after that not so much, but you know building upon my experiences there. Uh, so I did. I, I did. I did travel extensively. And and I'm curious, when you were traveling, is were you at that point working as a lawyer, which I know your background is in the law? Yeah, that that was primarily the the vehicle by which I was uh, you know doing the the travel into China and, and Asia generally. Um, but you know, it allowed me to sort of get somewhere. But then after that, I would always spend you know extra time on my own exploring places and sure. um, you know experiencing uh, other uh, things. I'm curious at that point um, when you when you were uh, on those uh, trips and, and doing that traveling at that point, did you were you just interested in China or did you know even at that point that you wanted to write a book someday or a novel? Well, it was it was sort of came, you know, uh, in the course of my travels, I had I had been I had I've been writing for a long time, but um, ever since I left college, I was writing um something you know book reviews nonfiction, um uh technical books uh and i you know by by the mid 90s i was beginning to think maybe i would just try my hand i was getting tired of the nonfiction. it wasn't it wasn't you know as satisfying as it was when i started doing it and uh and i was thinking of doing a novel but i also uh i was developing a um, you know, a terrific, terrific empathy for the Tibetans and a, and a, and a particular, you know, dislike for what the Chinese have done to ethnic, a lot of ethnic minorities, uh, in what, what today is the People's Republic of China. And I, and I was sort of torn between trying to write something that was, that was nonfiction to highlight that problem and writing a mystery. And then I sort of had this epiphany that I could combine, combine them. And, and uh, you know, and 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 the idea seemed to seem to uh, you know germinate and and uh, it took off pretty well with with the school mantra and then five other Sean books and I've had you know it's very satisfying to me for example I get a lot of reactions and my books are published in twenty languages and I get I get emails from all over the world and people will say you know I've read a lot about China and Tibet but I've never I've never read a nonfiction book that teaches me more about Tibet than reading your novels. Um, which which I take a lot of pride in because I, I am very careful about making sure they're they're based in fact and authentic and and uh, and you can, of course you can do things with fiction um, you know that you really can't do with 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 nonfiction in terms of getting messages across. Right. And and what was what was that process like for you when you decided at some point okay I'm going to combine these two and 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 write a mystery set in Tibet. What what was the process like for you when you wrote your first novel, The Skull Mantra? Well, it took it took it took a while, you know, for a westerner to write with with uh, you know, his protagonist primarily being Chinese and Tibetan. Um, you know, that is that, that takes, you know, you have to get into the heads of your characters. And that, and that took me a while. I mean, I knew broadly what I wanted to do. Um, but I didn't hit stride until I really got to know my characters, uh, you know, very well. And and once it, and once that happened, once I really understood their voice and and who they were, um, things fell together pretty pretty rapidly. Great. And so it, was, it was an interesting process. And I've always I've been studying uh, Asia, Chinese culture and history, and and Tibetan Buddhism ever you know for for many many years before that. Just a very just interested. 
uh, and I and I also was able to build. So I was able to build on that on that uh, foundation as well. Right, and and as we discussed earlier, you you were uh, working as a lawyer when you were writing that novel. What what was the kind of process like for you, um, just in terms of like your your schedule? When did you find time to write? Did you get up in the mornings? What, did you write late at night? Yeah, writing late at night is the answer, and, and the <laughs> it, you know it's all about it's all about the discipline, you know, just getting to it and doing it, and and a lot of people, you know, sort of uh, you know ask when I ask a lot of established writers, well, what's the secret? You know, my experience would say it's just it's getting in there and doing it, you know, just having the discipline. Again, you know, you can have the one of the most wonderful ideas and the you know the most wonderful prose, but if you don't keep at it, you're not going to be able to produce anything. And is that the the typical advice that you give when when someone is an aspiring writer? What what kind of advice would you offer them? Well, it's that, and it's and then com- I would combine that. Uh, the other theme I emphasize is is uh, it's sort of a variation on write about write what you know about. Uh, it's really more. I feel it's more write what you what you get fired up about. You know, something that you're really energized about, and if you have to learn more about it. You know, to acquire the knowledge that allows you to write the book, so be it. But be sure it's something that that you have a deep feeling about. You know, so you you know you keep it keeps you keeps you going. Sure. And I have a deep feeling about the Tibetan experience in China. I have a I have a deep feeling about sort of the colonial history and the and the and what happened to you know ethnic minorities, both um, some of the European minorities like the Scots, as well as of course as well as the Native Americans. And and, and I was going to ask you. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you can go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, actually, the Earth sort of builds on that because I'm a, I, I, uh, you know, it's it's all these. Every, everybody's kind of a minority, you know, who you know has, has their own story. You know, the the randomness of the survivors after this this uh, you know Holocaust, you know, allows me to sort of play on the point that everybody is very different and, and trying. They're trying to. You know, to build a new society, you have to bridge the gap of cultures and personalities, and and uh, and sort of decide what their history, you know, what their history really is, what the common themes are that they want to build on for a new society. Right. I was just going to ask, uh, what was the what was the impetus or the 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 interest? I think you answered a little bit to to go from the uh, Shan novels set in in Tibet to writing the the two Bone Rattler. Uh, mystery set in, in colonial North America. What what was the appeal there for you? Well, it's all it's it's. I mean, certainly you do what you what you write about what you have an interest in, and 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 uh, that was that that was certainly part of of the driver there because I've I've always been very interested in the Asian uh, sort of the you know the Central Asian societies and history and and also been very interested in the Scots and the and the um, and the Native Americans you know, I'm Scottish from back my background and my family came over and to colonial America and interface with Indians and 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 uh, that period has always fascinated me and there's a lot of and you know I'm a history buff and and the that colonial period you know pre-revolutionary war is you know, very sorely neglected in the history books, and it's a fascinating period to me when a lot of really important things were happening that defined uh, defined America, and and um, you know that drove me to to uh, sort of jump from um, Tibet to to 18th century America. Interesting. When when you write the the Tibet novels and the the mysteries, do you have any readers who who 
vet that for you who are kind of uh, who are who are uh, in the east or, or on the ground there? Well, on the first couple books, I had I had um, you know some some people who were leaders in the Tibetan Buddhist uh, movement in America uh, read the books and and um, you know they were they were um, they sort of you know confirmed that I you know that I uh, that was pretty authentic and in terms of the facts the underlying facts I mean I believe that you know as a writer as a novelist you still you know, you owe you know you can weave all kinds of fiction around the specific actions of your characters and who your characters are, but the context overall, the social context, the historic context needs to be accurate. Um, and so you know I'm very spent a lot of time doing research, making sure it is accurate. And so I have, you know, in this early books I did that, but then later on I felt I you know sort of found my pace and I felt I was I was uh, you know confident enough in my knowledge of things that I you know just continued. Great. I've had I've had. Um, on my nineteen, on my on my Bone Rattler series, which has a lot of Iroquois uh, characters and Iroquois-related um, Native American cultures, I've had um, uh, modern, you know, modern-day contemporary Iroquois read it and, and uh, you know do sort of the same thing, um, and you know just confirming that my sense of the history and and uh, the facts of the period were were pretty much right on, which was uh, you know encouraging. That's great. Well, where can someone find you online if they're interested in learning more about the novels that you've written and about Ashes of the Earth? I have a, a website, ElliotPatterson.com, and it's, it's P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N, ElliotPatterson.com, and you can click there to, to contact me. That's probably the easiest way. I have a Facebook page as well, but you know the, the you know, I, I uh, can get an email directly over the website, and, and then the website also is the vehicle for learning about all these books. There's you, know, you can click on any of the books, and, and there's materials about each of the books, and some some of them have readers' guides and various reviews and other and other materials. Well, great. Again, we've been speaking with Elliot Pattison, author of the new novel Ashes of the Earth. Elliot, thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Jeff, thank you very much. This is Lee Child, and I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Thanks for listening to my latest podcast. If you have a chance, please leave a review of the podcast in iTunes. It only takes a moment. Until next time, read some good books and be well. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.